everyone. Thanks for checking out this podcast. I hope today's conversation inspires you and builds your faith for the moment you are in right now. Know that God's love for you truly changes everything. Enjoy the message. Uh, This morning, you happen to be here on a day when you are going to experience something, or should I say we are going to experience something, that I have only done maybe like twice in 26 years as a pastor. It could be powerful. God could show up in amazing and spectacular ways to minister to our hearts today. Or I could totally make some mistakes, uh, stick my foot in the mouth. They're already turning the lights off on me. They've already figured that I... (laughs) They're like, Joel, we just don't trust you today. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, And so let me explain why. Uh, We're starting a brand new series today called Saved to Serve. We can go ahead and put it on the screen for people at home uh, to see the new series that's starting today. And we've had this series planned throughout a good part of the summer. And so the last few weeks I've been working on a message and and preparing uh, to speak today. And the teaching today is I was going to compare and contrast Bruce Springsteen and the Apostle Paul. No lie. Are you watching the documentary on Apple Plus? And, uh, and so with Bruce Springsteen and, and, uh, and some of the things from his life and, and the comparing and contrasting with the Apostle Paul and, and how we are called to serve, he said, I am a servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and so, uh, so anyway, that, that was what I was working on the last few weeks to get ready for today. And middle of the week... There'd been a passage that God put on my heart Monday to share with our church board, Galatians chapter 6. And so we walked through it as a church board on Monday night at our, at our monthly board meeting, and, and, uh, and, and I think it was powerful. And then the next morning, we had our staff meeting, and I did the same thing. We opened up our Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, and we just walked through the whole chapter verse by verse. And God ministered to our hearts and spoke to us about some of the things that we were experiencing and feeling, and maybe not always articulating, but feeling. Because sometimes we have to be careful with communicating our feelings sometimes, right? Because feelings are not always reality. And so, but, but we need a safe place at times to be able to talk about what we're feeling so that we can encourage and challenge one another with the truth of God's word to get our feelings more aligned with the facts of God's word. And so that's what we were doing this week. And so God began to stir in my heart and said what we've done with the board this week and what we have done with our staff at the church this week Maybe we should just do it with the whole church body this week. We're just kind of open up my heart. We open up the word of God. I have, there's, I have no notes. Literally, I, I've been praying through and, and thinking through this passage. But uh, I, this is raw and unfiltered today. So what I want to ask you to do is just give me some grace Because I may try to say some things in a clumsy way because I haven't prepared the way that I usually have prepared to get ready for Sunday morning. Uh, None of this is polished. It's off the top of my head. Let's just pray that the Spirit will lead, that anything that I say that's for His glory and for His good 
will take root in our hearts today and anything that I say that maybe is a distraction from his glory and from his good, that, uh, that God will just like snatch it out of your memory and you won't even remember it or hold it against me, okay? Uh, and uh, so Heavenly Father, we just pray towards that end. Lord, we pray as we open up our Bibles today, as we open up our Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, this letter from your apostle Paul, Lord, may you speak to our hearts for this moment that some of us are in, and may you minister to us deeply in the deepest part of our hearts, down to our very soul. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. 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 Okay, Galatians chapter 6. If you did not bring one of these, this is called a book. I know they actually have pages that you flip through. I know it's, for some it's a long time since uh, we've seen a book. Uh, but you, guess what? Books are also on your phone now. And so if you right now on your phone would look up Galatians chapter 6. And uh, the first one that will probably show up will probably be Bible Gateway from the NIV. At least that's what happens for Google when I put in a, a, a Bible passage. And so if you put that in your browser, Galatians chapter 6, click on the first link that came up. It's probably Bible Gateway. It's probably the new international version. So it's probably exactly what we're going to put on the screen. And uh, let's just see what happens today. Because this has been a discouraging season for many of us who are tired. And the Apostle Paul, to a tired church, a conflict-ridden church, in the city of Galatia, writes these words. Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. And we'll just kind of see, as stuff comes to mind, we'll just kind of talk about it. Brothers and sisters... And this is written to Christians. If you're not a Christian with us today, know that you are welcome, you are loved, we are so glad that you are with us. This is written specifically today to, to weary Christians. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person Gently. Now let's stop for just a minute. Let's leave it on the screen if we could so that everybody at home can see it as well. Uh, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin. Now understand that the, we talk about this all the time. One of the things that's hard for people to understand when it comes to interpreting the Bible is that what you are reading is an interpretation of an ancient language into your modern language. And so right now we're reading in English, maybe you're reading from a French translation or a Portuguese translation or a Swahili translation. But whatever you are reading, unless it is in Greek, is very likely, uh, is, is, a, uh, is a translation, somebody's attempt to translate it from the original Greek textus receptus, which is a whole Latin word for a whole other biblical study that we can talk about at some other time. And so sometimes it can be helpful when you get into figuring out if something seems a little odd, many times it's because we're missing something of the original language. And here the word, if someone is caught in a sin, there are multiple words that are translated into our English Bibles, sin, from, from Greek. Uh, like hamartia is one of the most common 
ones. Hamartia is the idea of missing the mark. Like imagine that there's a target and you're shooting an arrow at a target and it falls short and it misses the target. That's the idea of hamartia. That's the primary word for sin uh, that we translate to the English word sin in the New Testament. And the word here, though, is not hamartia. The word here in, in Greek is paraptoma. And paraptoma, if someone is caught in a sin, paraptoma is a similar idea, but paraptoma is different imagery in the ancient Greek language. That instead of just missing the mark, paraptoma is the idea of walking along on a rocky, difficult path and you lose your footing and you stumble a little bit. Maybe you fall off to the side. And so, so if you're, if you're, pro, if you're our, uh, paraptoma, you're, you're, you're walking along the path, it's, it's difficult, it's challenging, and then maybe you trip and you lose your step. That's the idea of paraptoma. And so it's, the, it's, it's I think, the combination of hamartia, which is missing the mark, not hitting the target, losing focus, and also in that losing focus, though, the idea of just stumbling a bit and falling off the path. And, and it says we need to help those people to get back on the path. So let's put it on the screen again. So you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. The idea is that if a person falls off the path, as Christians, our fellow believers in, in Christ, the idea is not to get a bat and beat them back onto the path, right? It's to restore them gently to pull them back on the path. Because how many of us as Christians have ever lost focus, have ever missed the target of, of Christ-like perfection in our lives? How many of us have ever stumbled a little bit as we lost focus and needed another believer to come along and gently get us back on path? You, you ever been there? How have you wanted people to treat you in that moment? Have you wished that they would come and beat you upside the head with a baseball bat? Or have you, have you said, I sure wish they would have restored me a little more gently? We, we, we love gentle when it comes to us. But we think on social media today that the harsher we speak, the more effective our words will be because that's what we see modeled by the world, right? The, the more shocking and misleading the headline, the more clicks it gets. And it rewards us. And as Christians, so often we have slipped into that same frame of communication as the world rather than shaped by the word, which when someone has lost focus and, and, and fallen into paraptoma off the path, started to miss the target a little bit, lost focus in their life, to gently restore them in love. And that's what it means to live by the Spirit. Let's put it on, on the screen again. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But, let's continue. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. So here's where we get to the, the, the title for this series, Saved to Serve. That is our calling as followers of Jesus Christ in the church. 
We are saved to serve others and help them get back on the path when they lose focus and stumble, our fellow Christians. And here's how we do it. Verse 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. We're saved to serve. And how do we serve? By helping to carry our fellow believers' burdens. And in this way, we help fulfill the law, the expectation of Christ. Verse 6, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Now, here I think Paul, who is a, a, a teacher of the word, an instructor in the word, I, I think he's starting to, to reveal here how tired he is, how weary he is, because he says that when you receive a good word of, of, of teaching, of biblical instruction, be sure to share some good stuff with your teacher, not just the bad stuff. Because we find out the church of Galatian has been sharing a lot of the bad stuff and not as encouraging in each other with the good stuff, okay? Verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now, this is a verse that, that, that lays out a principle that we see all the time in our lives, which is we reap what we sow. We get back what we put out. If we sow blessing into other people's lives, they will tend to bless us back. We sow cursing into other people's lives, we'll tend to get cursing back. We sow into God's kingdom blessing and we get more of God's kingdom and this can be misused there are a lot of a lot of churches a lot of pastors who have used that as a way to manipulate people for for more money and so forth i understand that but the the, the reality is though that when you don't sow into God's kingdom not just money but time and energy, the priorities and, and values to build up the kingdom of Christ and share Christ's love with others and serve others, when we don't do that, then we don't receive God's blessing in our lives in the way that he wants to give it. So now, in verse 9, we're about to get into what I think is the very foundation, kind of the, 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 the crux of the passage. Everything hinges on this passage where Paul gets down to it and he talks about how tired the Christians have become in the church of Galatia and especially their leadership, okay? Verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, I think if, if, if you are to look at this passage line by line, every line of these two verses is jam-packed with 
powerful content that we need to be uh, reminded of on a regular basis in our lives, okay? So here's what I'm going to do. I am going to do the same thing that we often do in our board meetings, the same thing that we often do in our staff meetings with all of our pastors and support staff at the church, is we meditate upon the Word of God. And so what I'm going to do right now is you can look at it on the screen or you can do it in your, in your Bible or on your phone. Verse 9 and 10, here's what I want to do. I want you to meditate upon the Word of God for the next few minutes and allow the Holy Spirit to bring out truth to you, ideas, concepts. You, you, you wonder, well, like, how do teachers get up and share this stuff? Because first, you meditate upon the Word of God, and God's Spirit begins to reveal things, pull things out, illuminate things in the passage for you. So that's what we're going to do. Are you ready? So let's just play a little music in the background just to create a little bit of music. We're going to leave the lights up so that you can see in case you have uh, your Bible. And I'm going to give you the next few minutes to either look at the screen or look down at your Bible and meditate upon these two verses and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I'll give you about another 20 seconds or so. Okay. So, uh, 
we will come back to verse 9 and 10 at the end because I think there's some stuff that we, we're going to talk about from verse 9 and 10 that will be really helpful. And hopefully God spoke to you and ministered to your heart and brought out some truth that is helpful for you in those two verses. And so we're going to come back to that, hold those things in your heart, and let's continue uh, into verse 12. In verse 11, he says, you know, somebody else, as he's dictating, is writing the, uh, the letter here to the Galatians. And then, uh, and he says, but now the last part, all of a sudden, he says, I'm going to write it myself. And he's having trouble maybe with his eyesight or maybe it's for emphasis. I don't know. But he says, so the next part, he says, I'm going to write in big letters. Literally, he says in verse 11. And then verse 12, he says, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. What in the world is Paul talking about here? Okay, uh, well, first of all, circumcision was the sign given back in the, in the Old Testament, the sign between God and his covenant people. Circumcision was a physical demonstration of your commitment as a servant of God. But in the New Testament, Jesus comes and ushers in a new covenant so that no longer are we saved or, or, or seeking uh, the goodness of God through just the keeping of the law, but rather through the sacrifice of Jesus who died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins so that we are forgiven and set free and no longer bound to the, to the old covenant of the law as a means by which to gain the favor of God. Okay, so here's what happens, though, in the New Testament. So in a city like Galatia, you're living in a city that is vastly secular, under the Roman Empire, a Roman-controlled city, and most Christians at this point were Jews. They had followed uh, Judaism and uh, now have, have followed Jesus as the fulfillment of Judaism, but they're still trying to figure out, a lot of what's going on in the New Testament is them trying to figure out how much of pleasing God is about following the Jewish expectations of the Old Testament versus living in the grace of Jesus. And they're, they're constantly stuck in the middle of this, trying to figure out this balance. And a lot of the writing of the New Testament letters is helping them to, to navigate that. And here to the Galatians, apparently what Paul is saying is that there are people in the church who were concerned, now get this, because following Jesus was not a legally sanctioned religion of the Roman Empire. It was dangerous to be a follower of Jesus. But Judaism was a legally recognized entity within the Roman Empire. And so, I think what's going on here in the church is the Christians who have come from Judaism, 
are afraid of what people outside of the church are going to think about what's going on inside the church. And so they're trying to get new Christians to follow some of their practices and traditions, not because it's necessary to please God, but rather because it's necessary to gain the approval of society. And now, all of a sudden, when you think of it this way, a lot of things from our culture can start to fit into that category. Perfectly? No. But similarities? Maybe. And what Paul is saying is, there has, there, there has become a dividing line in the church, and people are trying to force you to take sides. And Paul says, it's a false dichotomy. Don't fall for it. Now, here's where I'm going to get real and honest and brutal for just a minute. This is the pain that most pastors in North America have experienced for the last year and a half. I have a lot of friends who have quit and left the ministry in the last year and a half, not because they have lost faith in Jesus, but because they have died by a thousand sheep bites. See, we as the body of Christ are called sheep. <laughs> and many times sheep bite each other and bite their leaders. And Paul is speaking to divisions with the church over issues that had become political. People saying, well, if you're really a Christian, then you're going to do this. If you're really a Christian, you're going to do this. If you, and that it wasn't about pleasing God, but it was about fitting in with their problems in here. And now, all of a sudden, you see why the verses we meditated on in verse 9 and 10 are so powerful. Why does he say, let us not become weary in doing good? Because Paul and the leaders of the church had become weary in doing good. Death by a thousand sheep bites. By the way, uh, I, I saw something on... Uh, on the news this week, and it, it got shared around a little bit. It's an example of how often people now follow cultural Christianity more than biblical Christianity. And it was a news network that was interviewing somebody at a political rally, and afterwards they stuck a camera in this lady's face. And she said, well, I'm not going to do it, whatever it was, the political issue, and, and, and it was like vaccination and non-vaccination, all the debates that are going on in our society right now. And she said, well, I'm not going to do it because the Bible says that Jesus in the last day is going to separate the sheep from the goats. Jesus is going to separate the sheep from the goats. And the reporter so insightfully asked her a question. He said, so which one are you? Are you a sheep or a goat? And she said, I'm, I'm following Jesus. She said, 
I ain't no sheep. I'm a goat because I ain't going to follow what society is telling me to do. Now, the reason those of you who aren't as familiar with the Bible are like, why is everybody thinking that's so ironic? It's because she said she was following the way of Jesus, but what she was doing was following the way of political commentary. Because Jesus says it's actually the sheep who go to heaven and the goats who go to hell. And she was saying, I ain't going to be a sheep. I'm not saying that her, I'm not talking about her political positions, but I'm saying what is happening in our society is Christians are being formed more by the world than they are by the word. And they think it's Christianity. And, it, and it's not just on one side or the other. It's on both sides. See, what happens is people who are social justice warriors on one side of the, the liberal equation make Jesus in their own image and pull out all the verses that make him sound just like they want him to be. And people who are on the opposite side of the equation, libertarian Jesus, make Jesus out in their own image, exactly pulling out the verses that fit who they want Jesus to be. And so many Christians, so many of you here today, like, like many, have felt exhausted over the last year and a half because you're stuck in the middle. You're stuck in the middle. And Paul says, Paul says, not even those who are trying to set up what the boundaries of what your Christianity are supposed to look like, they're not even keeping, they're not even keeping the law themselves. They're just telling you what they should, what you should do, and they're not even doing it themselves. Verse 14, he says, But may I never boast or glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. May I not take pride in or glory in anything but the cross of Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. All the stuff that people are using in, in society in that day to divide people up into different segmentations, all of that stuff, he said, doesn't mean anything. What counts is the new creation, being made new in Jesus, into his likeness. For peace, verse 16, let's continue. For peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. Peace and mercy, peace and mercy to all who follow Jesus. From now on, verse 17, Verse 17, from now on, he's like, please, let no one cause me trouble. Can you tell he's tired? He's like, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He says, I've been scarred. I've been wounded for following Jesus. And some of you have been scarred and wounded for following Jesus. People who you considered to be friends who turned their backs on you when you decided to follow Jesus. Family members who you love, who you would die for, who have turned their backs on you because you decided to follow Jesus. 
And he says, we bear the marks, the scars of Christ on our bodies. And so he's like, we get enough trouble from the world. Let's stop causing trouble for each other in the church. Verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters, amen. What's interesting is, he, 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 emphasizes, he emphasizes so much on grace that if you take this out of his context, it seems like he's all grace and no truth. But what we fail to recognize is that through the whole rest of the letter, he's focusing on truth. But what he's reminding people is what we need is both. That truth, harsh truth, apart from grace, is powerless to change a life. But grace Ushy, gushy, lovey, nothing matters, you know, fluid grace apart from truth is also powerless to change a life. And that's why we say around here where the power is, is grace plus truth equals love. That love is the truth. We speak the truth, the word of God, but it's lathered and smothered in grace. If you vent on somebody or you vent, you know, and, and, it, and it's cathartic, it just feels good to just let them have it, I'm guessing that what you said was very unhelpful more often than not. Because whenever we speak the truth, it has to be lathered and smothered in grace to be like Jesus. And so in verse 9, let's go back to, to the verse 9. So we spent some time meditating on this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. In the last two weeks, I've had two friends of large churches resign and leave. All around North America right now, the conversation is about pastors leaving the ministry, not not because they've lost their faith in Jesus, but because the body of Christ has lost its faith in each other. And churches that had thousands, that it now have few and can barely pay the budget. Right now, it, it, it grieves my heart. I, I watched one or two videos on YouTube and now YouTube sending it to me all the time, trying to get me to watch more, which is how these algorithms work, right? They send you down the rabbit hole so that all of a sudden you think that everybody's talking about the same thing. It, 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 social media is set up to put us in silos and divide us against one another. And, and, and the, the video or two that I watched was about a church, one of the large churches in the United States on the East Coast, about 16 or 17,000 members where about half of the church have left. And they're fighting and they're fighting and they're fighting because the pastor, and I'm sure he made mistakes, but the pastor was trying to, to talk about how his heart breaks for the people in their church, the black people in their church who don't feel safe. And how many of the white people in the church started calling him woke and tried to vote him out, and, and I'm sure he made mistakes and they made mistakes. My point is not who was right and who was wrong. Here's my point. Those videos are getting 
hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube with people consuming the toxicity of division within the body of Christ one against another. It's everywhere. Social media is eating us alive. It's everywhere. And some of you feel like you're dying by death from a thousand sheep bites. This, uh, this summer, I, I shared a little video yesterday, uh, just kind of impromptu, uh, to share what I was going to be talking about today. On, I, I shared it on Facebook, and I think it went to a couple of other social media uh, platforms. And, uh, and I said, I almost quit my job this summer. Not because anybody did anything wrong. I'm, let me get it right. I, I want to make abundantly clear. There's no big division in the church. Uh, you don't, uh, please do not think that I'm letting you know there's some big underbelly of fighting. And this church is good. In fact, what, what grieves my heart is as, as I see so many churches that are struggling and falling apart in North America, I feel so blessed and privileged that we get to be here together serving the mission of Christ together because this is a place of love and unity. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you. Thanks, Miss Shirley. <laughs> Thanks, Miss Shirley. Um, but those of you who don't, I don't talk openly about this very often, at least not from the platform. If we've ever had a really, really, you know, private intense conversation. Maybe I've opened up and been on, uh, vulnerable about this before. But do you know my entire life, the last thing I ever wanted to do was to be a senior pastor? And you know what? If God were to set me free from this calling, I'd have been gone already. Not because I don't love you, not because I don't love the church and believe in what we're doing together, but I'm not the kind of guy who's looking for responsibility. I'm not the kind of guy who walks into a room and wants to be in charge. And yet God continues to thrust me into those positions of leadership. And listen, here's the title to the series. The reason I do it is because just like you, I was saved to serve. My life is not my own. My life is not my own. I'm a child of the King. I'm his servant. I will do what he tells me to do. I will go where he tells me to go. I want to try to say what he tells me to say. And I want to make sure everything I do is in alignment with his word. And so out of love, a lot of times people will be like, oh, Joel, please promise me you'll never leave Moncton Wesleyan, that you'll be here till you die. And, and I would love to be able to make that promise. And look, I'm not looking to go anywhere. I'm not. I'm absolutely not. But I cannot make any guarantees about tomorrow just as neither can you. If you say, I would never move to Africa to serve my Jesus, then you're serving the wrong Jesus. If you say, I would never take financial risks to serve my Jesus, then you're serving the wrong Jesus. If you say, I would never take a stand that would 
cause my friends and family to turn my, their back on me to follow Jesus, then you don't know what following Jesus is actually about because that's exactly what he said would happen. That when you follow him in the messy middle, that people who have paraptoma, the word here, been caught in sin, stumbled off to the one side or stumbled off to the other side, and they're trying to rope you in and pull you to their side, and you're you're here in the middle feeling like you're getting pulled apart by people on both sides. And into that difficulty, into that pain, into that struggle, Paul writes to the church in Galatia and says, So whatever you do, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, not in my time, in his time, at the proper time, we are going to reap a harvest if we do not give up. You gotta keep pressing through. Listen, whatever God has brought you to, he's gonna bring you through. And here's how I know that. Here's how I know that, because you're still here breathing today. The reason you're here and still breathing today is because God has been faithful to bring you through whatever you've been brought to, and he's gonna do it again. And the season of darkness, the season of pain, the season of of hopelessness, the season of discouragement, the season of division, if you keep walking that path, Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, in God's time, we will reap a harvest. You might not even see it until you go to heaven. Right now, there are believers in Afghanistan who are dying for their faith, not because their God has not come through for them, but because this promise is not just for what happens here on this earth. This is a promise for eternity that you might die of cancer tomorrow. You might be killed by a robber tomorrow. You might be sent off to some crazy crazy place in the backwoods tomorrow to serve Jesus and it might hurt but listen we are saved to serve and God is going to bring you through and reward you in the end on the other side of eternity we don't see just on this side we see through to the other side the faithfulness of our God who's going to bring us through and so here's what we leave you with Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. I love how he's not putting the hard, you know, he's twisting the screws on you, going, so you better go out and do this, this, and this next week. Here's how we respond. We just say, Lord, whatever you ask me to do next, I'm gonna say yes, because I'm saved to serve. And so as we have opportunity, don't let anybody guilt you into serving. Don't let anybody pressure you into, well, you gotta do this or you gotta do that. As you have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I cannot wait until this fall when we start launching our small groups 
as we get to live this out together. Maybe God is calling some of you to be part of a small group or even better to lead a small group. So here's, here's what I've got for you. To be shaped and formed by the word of God, I've got an assignment for you, okay? mw.church slash God is. Does anybody remember this from like a couple of years ago? I think it was a year and a half ago. Some of you uh, have been to it. I know one person who knows it. Wanda Killam. Where are you, Wanda? Where's Wanda? Where, where are you, Wanda? There she is. Hey, Wanda. Yes, Wanda Killam. The last couple of weeks, every Sunday, she's telling me, Joel, for the last, how long has it been, Wanda? I don't even know. Last two years? April 2020. Apparently time's been flying. April 2020, thank you, that we did the mw.church slash God is list where I curated a list of Bible verses about who God is and who we are created to be as his servants. And she said, Joel, every single day since April 2020, I have been praying through those passages of scripture. And she said, it's transformed my life. I'm seeing things about who God is and who I am in Christ like never before as a follower of Jesus for what? Wanda, are you, you're a Christian now for what? You, you're only 39 years old, right? How, how many years have you been following Jesus? 60 years, and you've also been married because you've got a, a big anniversary coming. How long? 50 year anniversary they're celebrating this weekend. How about you give some love to the Killams? 60 years following Jesus, and she says the last year she's grown like never before. How? Being shaped and formed by the word rather than the world. So write it down mw.church slash God is and you can walk through that as well let's stand as we pray together Heavenly Father Lord again I just say may you be glorified anything that has been said today that is for your glory and for your people's good. Lord, may it take root in our hearts. May we be transformed. May we, we be convicted and challenged and encouraged and motivated today. And Lord, right now I pray for people who are tired, tired, bone weary, exhausted. If that's you, wherever you are right now, and maybe even if you're online, maybe you could let us know and say, that's me. But anybody around the room, if you, if that, if you say, Joel, I, I relate to some of this stuff today. I'm tired and I need God to minister to my spirit today. Would you just raise your hand? Would you just raise your hand around this room? Thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, you have seen those who've raised their hands. And Lord, right now, deep in their hearts, I pray that you would minister to their spirits. Father, as they open your word this week and begin to walk through mw.church slash God is, walk through those passages of scripture and read verse after verse after verse about who you are and who you have called us to be. Lord, I pray that you would bring refreshing 
refreshing to weary bones. Just like a wonderful nap on a Sunday, uh, on a Sunday afternoon, Lord, may they wake up from a spiritual slumber refreshed, refreshed by your word. Lord, we need you. We need you and we worship you. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about Moncton Wesleyan, we invite you to visit our website at mw.church. We are here to help you with any questions you might have. See you next time.